in the UK, in Liverpool. This is Good Morning in Florida. Thank you for yeah. joining us here in CC Confidential. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, uh, first, how was your Christmas and your New Year? It was, it was good. It was quiet, family, uh, no holidays, just uh, spending time with me, family and me little daughter. And then, you know, we it's lockdown, so we can't really venture out much. So it was just all spent with, with, with close family and in the house. Well, hold on a second, but I've heard UK has been in lockdown after lockdown after lockdown, very small periods of respite. So how has that affected you? It's affected me on a personal level in, in a big way because as a, from a personal point of view, I'm a very active person. I play lots of football, which is soccer, where you're from. I play lots of golf, obviously going to the gym. Now, we've been fortunate enough that because we're professional fighters, we can still get access to a boxing gym. But, like, you know, even public gyms to do strength work and, you know, gyms that we go to of a night time for our second session are closed. So we have to just make do it, you know, a lot of a lot of running outdoors and um but besides the, the training and the job situation, you know, I've struggled mentally as in not 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 I've struggled, you know, I'm I'm a mentally strong person, but I mean, you know, it's tough that I can't just go outside and go and play golf for four hours and stuff like that. Obviously other people have got different situations and and I feel for them, but it, it, it's very tough and I'm lucky I've got a little girl at home who, I can, who can keep me entertained a little bit. Yes, and she's adorable. We see you all over uh, social media. Congratulations. Yes, she's thank you. absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. Thank you. Drop-dead gorgeous. So family-wise, everything is, thank goodness, healthy. But Yeah, that, yeah. again, yeah. We, we, you know, we cannot complain. We're, we're healthy. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're doing well and you know, people are in a lot worse situations than, than I am. So, you know, I, I cannot complain about it. But, um, yeah, we're healthy and, and we're good. That's the main thing. So is there a, a limit? Uh, have they already established when you might have the lockdown lifted? Or is this said, definite? They said they're going to renew the situation in six weeks' time from the, from the 31st of December, six weeks so okay. in the middle of February, they will make a renewal. So four more weeks. Yes. So hang tight. We need your back. Yes. And when I say we need your back. So we had the opportunity to meet in, in San Antonio. And uh, we caught you playing uh, ping pong with Jesse Vargas. There was a little bit of uh, back and forth between you and Jesse. Eddie was involved. And I know for a fact. First of all, you cannot miss Eddie since he's ginormous, yes. especially when you're uh, vertically challenged like I am. So I could not help but notice that there was conversations going on, but yet everything just went kind of silent. What's going on? Are you going to come back? Is there a fight being talked about? What's going on? It's one that I very hope will happen. You know, the, the, the fight got mentioned to me, you know, nearly, nearly two years ago, maybe, um, you know, at my first fight for matchroom, I boxed Sam Eggington and got out the ring and Eddie said inside the ring on an interview, I'd love to match him with Jesse Vargas. And, you know, my eyes lit up and I thought, I forgot Eddie promotes Jesse. 
So uh, that rung a bell. I thought, oh, yeah, you've got Jesse. So that's a big fight. I thought Jesse's a big name, two-weight world champion, wanting to become a three-weight world champion. You know, I, I feel if he steps up to 154, it's a no-brainer. It's very easy to make with myself. Um, I'd done a three-fight deal with Eddie. So did Jesse. But then it was very close to happening. And then Jesse for Mikey, which I had no problems with. It's a lot bigger fight, bigger money. And, um, you know, I had no I had no question. I could never, ever question him taking that fight. So that fight's out the way. Now, there's no reason why he shouldn't fight me next. You know, we're both coming off a long layoff because of the pandemic. Yeah. We've got no reason, like, you know, I'm 32 now. I think Jesse may be around the same age. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But we're seasoned fighters. We don't need warm-up fights, you know. And Yeah. I just think the fight should be, they should be made and... When somebody pushes me versus Jesse Vargas out on social media, it drums up a little bit of interest and then it goes silent again because I, I said to Jesse the other day, I know it was a social media post, but you know, I said, everybody seems to want this fight by you. Now, I know deep down, I don't mean Jesse's scared the fight. I just mean if Jesse pushes Eddie, you know, can we make the Smith fight? Then it's down to Eddie to go, yes. But I just don't think... He's being too keen on it at the moment. And I think he should push his side more. You know, I'm, I'm pushing my management team and Eddie saying, can't you make the Vargas fight? And he's saying, I'm going to try, but I can't promise. So I think if Jesse pushes him also, then Eddie's got no choice but to make the fight. But let, let's, just because I'm curious, you've been uh, out of action like professional like being in the ring in a paid event i mean i know you've been sparring you've been helping your brothers you've been, have been helping other other fighters but it's not the same no. uh and do you think that layoff could be a factor in not taking this fight right off the bat starting 2021 well i think fighters like us really when you know what you've just mentioned we do lots of sparring we've been i've been boxing a number of years now now you know, it could play a part, but I think it's, it's a level playing field on us both in the situation. I think, you know, Jesse, I don't know whether Jesse's been out the ring longer than me or not. I don't know. I'd have to read up on that. But, you know, I've been out the ring just over 12 months now. My last fight was... Yeah, him too. Chavez. I fought on the Chavez-Jacobs card, and that was my last, you know, bout in the ring. But... You know, I've still I've still been in the gym sparring and then obviously the pandemic hit. But, you know, if we took the fight next, I think we're both in the same situation. We're both been out the ring a long time, but we're both, you know, things world-level fighters. We shouldn't really, you know, need an eight-round fight or something, you know, in the same sense. Imagine us going back to fighting an eight-round fight or a ten-round fight. It's just, we should be, we should be, professional enough now to just go go right in the deep end the winner will win and move on the loser will have a choice to me you you i i get you and as a matter of fact just to uh go deeper in that point his last fight was against mikey garcia and it was on february of 2020 so it will be yeah it will be uh, about 12 months so you've been out pretty much the same and and the competition uh very similar uh, in terms of quality opponent, Mikey Garcia coming up from really uh, solid 140 coming up to 147. His second attempt at 147, third actually. So um, just because you're both, you're very tall. 
for uh, even a 154, you got yeah. good size. Do you think weight due to the pandemic and the lack of training could be an issue? I mean, trying to make 154, even though Jesse's coming from 147, making 154 could be an issue. I mean, I'm trying to just figure yeah. out what could be the issue. Well, I don't know from Jess, because, you know, 154 will be a challenge for me also. You know, after the pandemic, I'm, I'm a big 154. I think we're all, we're all going to be in that same situation next time round because of, look, it, it, it's all well and good and it's very easy to say, you know, fighters stay in shape, stay ready. But when you're in a pandemic and, and you've been out the ring a long time, it's very hard to stay there or thereabouts at 154. So, you know, we I just think we're both professional enough. If you give the two of us you know, a full 12-week camp from now, maybe any time in April, then I think we can both do 154. And I think it's a, it's a very, very good fight. I think the winner moves on to a world title challenge. And I think we, we, at the moment, Jesse has been WBO champion before. Mm -hmm. I think it was a welterweight at 147. I was WBO champion at 154. So at the moment, I'm still number three in the WBO rankings. I don't think Jesse's ranked at 154 at just yet because he hasn't really had a fight. His last fight was at 147. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure if Jesse announces to the WBO that he's fighting me at 154, then that could be, you know, maybe even a final eliminator. You know, it, it will put the winner in a mandatory position. Yes. So I think it... it, 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 it it's got a lot of ingredients that the fight should be made, I think. It, it, and it's attractive in every single way. Yeah, even, that, fan friendly, even a fan-friendly fan fight, you know. Exactly. Would it, it be a no, you know, it's not a world title fight, but it will be a very entertaining fight. And I'm sure that's what I meant before by, I think Eddie would love that fight. I think the zone would love that fight. The public would love that fight. I want that fight. So it just should be made. And as I'm looking at the rankings in terms of uh, the WBO at 147, uh, he's ranked, but not at 154. You're right. Yeah. So again, we still have the big names like the Charlos, um, the Madrimovs, uh, Castaño. Uh, so Teixeira and uh, those and Erickson Lubin, who has been uh, somewhat of a staple at 154. Yes. Um, but interestingly enough, when we talk about rivalries, all of a sudden, you know, here in the American continent, we used to have a lot of Mexico versus Puerto Rico. We would have Brazil against Mexico, especially in the lower levels, in the lower divisions. But now all of a sudden we have this great rivalry being rekindled. Mexican style versus the English style. And why do I bring this up? Because the styles look very good together. I mean, they're very explosive, very forward, very aggressive fighters. Um, and like you said, the title at this point in time, do people really remember how many titles there are? You know, we, we're really confused. In yeah. 2021, we're walking in and there's the interim, there's the halfway, there's the full way, there's all kinds of titles. So people are not really keen into oh what title are they fighting for but more yeah. where is he from yeah. you know and this new wave of european fighters coming to america to showing off a very very interesting fan-friendly style how do you feel about 
you know, the juxtaposition between importance of titles back in the day and being a good fighter for the fan. That really doesn't understand the politics. Yeah, there's, there's lots of ways I can answer that now, but, you know, obviously... For me now, in the position I'm in, I want to be in top fights, very good fights for the most money at the moment. Obviously, I'm, I'm tired to, and I want to be in, you know, I don't, I, I'm in a position now where, you know, years back to win a title, you might have to go through some opponents that you didn't really want to go to. You might have to just beat them along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, now, now I'm not in that position. I don't need to chase awkward fighters to get their ranking. I need, I, I want to chase big fights that are gonna bring fans to say, "Oh, is Liam Smith fighting Jesse Vargas? It's a good fight. That's a top fight." And you know, fights that will gel well. I don't want to be in a fight where I'm fighting a slick southpaw who is not going to make for the entertaining fight. You know, and the the fights I want to be in involved in now is the fights that I think this will be good like this, yes. this will be entertaining this will be interesting and uh, obviously I feel Jesse with him being like the Mexican-American type will bring that and you know he's been in good fights over the years and I just think there's no way our two styles cannot gel but the, touching on what you say with the title situation no because I think it's getting worse at the moment like you know maybe the WBA have always been slagged off with the regular, the super, the... But now, the WBC have made the rods for their own back because the WBC really started losing the way with Lopez and Haney. So now, you've got a franchise champion, you've got regular champion Haney, and now you've got an interim champion in Ryan Garcia. Like, there was no reason to make an interim belt for that weight. And now also they've made the interim title for Ramirez. Judo Ramirez is fighting Marcus Brown for the interim light heavyweight title. Like, why? Berbatiev is WBC champion and he is not out injured. He's not, like, tied up with mandatory. So there's no reason they should have made the interim belt. Like, the interim belt is only made when a champion is maybe out injured or the title is tied up with a different mandatory, but they made the interim belt at light heavyweight now. So I just think they're making, they're making themselves look what they've always called the WBA for. That's you see, you, good call out actually. Yeah. Uh, and, and among us that we were looking from the outside in, it's very confusing because yeah. as you said, there, there was a pattern established before the interim. Yeah. If I ask you a question now, Yes. Who's the WBC lightweight champion? Very good question. I, I would have to look it up. So now, it, but people will always give you a different answer. It, is it is it Teofimo Lopez or is it Devin Haney? Like, so who is, and the same question asks, is Teofimo Lopez undisputed champion? Well, for the WBC would be Teofimo Lopez. Then you have number one, Vasililo Machenko. But the WBA has Teofimo Lopez as a super champ, Gervonta Davis as the W, and uh, Mendy as the G. Then we have the yes, IBF. It, yeah. it, it just WBO, IBF, and WBC have Teofimo Lopez. Uh, WBA has Teofimo Lopez 
I, it, it's very the confusing. WBC, the WBC have Teofimo Lopez as the franchise champion. Yeah. Well, Devin Haney as the world champion. Uh, no, not right now. Not right now. I could be wrong, but let me. We should yeah. look at the WBC just so we're not misquoting. Yeah, the but WBC. It's, yeah. It's it's very very confusing. Okay, so now I I go straight into the WBC website. Yeah. But that's one of the things that the people keeps yeah. arguing. Uh, I am the champion. I am yeah. the true champion. Everybody else is a paper champion. Yeah, and and, and rightly so. You, you you beat you beat he beat the man. You know he, he beat Lomachenko for all the titles. Whereas you know Haney, a very good fighter, but you know you've got to be you've got to think Tiafimo Lopez is the right rightly champion. Okay, so let me show you on my phone. This is this is the WBC ranking. So for the light, we have updated December tenth. Teofimo Lopez as the WBC decision. Can you see? Yeah. Yeah. Franchise. Franchise champion. Then we have Devin Haney as the WBC lightweight champion. Then we have Ryan Garcia as the WBC interim world title lightweight. See. And then Lomachenko is uh, ranked one, uh, Fortuna two, and Luke Campbell number three. And then we have Garcia as number four. Crazy, yeah. I so again, I was I was raised in the world of boxing with one champion in yeah. every single organization. And at that at the time, we didn't have Ring Magazine. And we didn't have the IBF. It was just WBA, WBO, and WBC. Yeah. So I, I, I come from the old school when it was one champion per division, and that was it. Yeah. So, but again, on that note, as a fighter, that gives the fighter an opportunity to get a title. Then yeah. I do understand. I do, I do understand, you know, but... I don't mind the four organizations. That is very good because, like, you know, UFC, there's one UFC belt, but in boxing, there's too many boxers. There's too many great boxers who will never, ever get a chance if there was only one belt, you know. And so I, I'm all for the four organizations, but then the WBC, WBO, IBF, WBA should just have one belt, not super, not regular, not interim. You know, I just think they need to just keep one belt per organization, and then, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not against having four world titles because you need that many because there's that many fighters around the world challenging exactly. four belts. But just stop with the super regular interim that way. Do Do you also so when we talk about networks, it just happens to make it a little bit more attractive when you're fighting for any belt. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, it does, you know. And, and look, every fighter will dream and, and want to fight for a world title. That is a fact. And obviously, a world title fight on a big network channel, again, it just brings more to the table, maybe more money, more viewers. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it does, again, it does add to the to the fight. If, if, just an example, if it was... Liam Smith versus Jesse Vargas in a 10-round international fight or Liam Smith versus Jesse Vargas in a... I was just going to say that. 
And so it does it, it does it does add a incentive, it adds dreams, history, you know, you you you're world champion again. But it's interesting to see now if you spoke to some fighters and asked a question now, we'll make just example numbers up. Would you fight would you fight this person for just say two hundred thousand dollars for the WBC title, or would you fight this person in a non-title fight for four hundred and fifty thousand dollars? Which one would you pick? The four fifty. Yeah, a lot of fighters would now sway towards the money side, whereas you know, obviously, years, a couple of years back, it was more the world champion status. But, but, it, but it also adds to how, the state of boxing, uh, especially when you have recognition to YouTubers coming into the sport and making a splash and bringing a lot of attention, a lot of attention. So now we're, now boxing is open for everybody. So we need, It's almost like we now need to make the difference between the professional fighters with the titles and the recognition from the exhibition fight. Yeah. Yes. Unless pretty soon we're going to have also belts recognizing the celebrities. In the yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy, but you know that that's what that is my argument over the whole situation with the YouTubers. Like, I'm not people. I put something out on Twitter a long time ago about the Jake Paul KSI and mm-hmm. you know even Logan Paul and JSI sorry KSI and then obviously Jake Paul recently is making a splash at everybody you know uh, but I think we need to draw a line between it's not professional boxing you know I'll use Jake Paul as an example Jake Paul is telling everybody he's two and oh as a professional fighter but he has not boxed a professional boxer. He fought a YouTuber in his first fight, and he fought an NBA or NFL player. I'm getting mixed up. I don't know which one the guy was, but it was on the Tyson Roy Jones exhibition mm-hmm. card. He fought an NBA player, I think it was, or an NFL star, NFL star it was. So you two know as a boxer, but you've never really fought a professional boxer. So you need to draw a line with, If you just want to go and have exhibitions, the same what was what we're talking about with world titles and money mm-hmm. is the same type of thing I'm on about. If Jake Paul announces he's going to fight KSI in a white collar bout at such and such arena, it will still sell tickets. It will still make a lot of money because of who they are and what they bring. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make them no, it doesn't, and but it shouldn't because you know. Like, I'm all for the trying to do it, but they're not professional fighters. They're not good. They're not professional fighters. And and that, that's where I think, I just think, if you're going to be a professional fighter, start fighting professional fighters. Do you, you think know. in many ways that brings the credibility of the sport back a few steps? Uh, Because now I'm out as, again, an outsider looking in. Uh, Boxing has lost a lot of its luster for a lot of things, a lot of scandals, and we'll talk about that later. And then all of a sudden, you have this new generation, the millennials, watching boxing again. So it's 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 a fine line. It's a balance between yeah. what, what? How do you see it? 
Now, I see in that sense, like I do think it's bringing eyes to boxing, probably more so on the card and the show that then YouTubers are on. So, you know, you're fortunate enough. It sounds crazy saying if you're fortunate to get on one of them shows, yeah. you know, because it's a YouTuber, but you know, it does bring a lot of eyes, and that's that's a good thing to boxing, but it also you know, to minimize the name of box if people think, wow, he's a professional boxer, anyone must be able to be a professional boxer. And My you know, whereas if if you say to somebody, Oh, this is this is Liam Smith, he's a professional fighter, and people go, Oh, are you a professional fighter? And think it's a big deal, you know, you must be good at your your, your job. But then you watch a YouTuber on the on the television and think, wow, he's a professional fighter. Anybody must be allowed to be a professional fighter. Mm-hmm. So it dilutes the credibility of the fighter. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but then obviously it has its pros and it has its cons. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, I shared yesterday that a basketball player, Lamar Odom, who played for the Clippers, um, just signed a good deal to be a celebrity boxer. Yeah. And my thoughts were exactly that. I said, well, you know, Lamar is athletic, just like, I mean, it takes a certain level of skill to be able to play in the NBA, obviously. Yeah. But it's a completely different skill set from boxing. Yeah. And when you have somebody that just took on boxing three weeks before walking into the ring, I my biggest qualm, and I'm going to share this with you, is the old adage, you don't play boxing. It's no. not, you walk into the ring and you're putting your life yeah. on the line. One bad move, just one punch can change yeah. somebody's life. Yeah, exactly. To take it that simply, to take it that lightly, I have problems with that. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, because like you say, sometimes it's, people will say, well, I don't, I don't mind getting hit. I don't mind getting dropped. I don't mind getting knocked out. But then there is always that chance of that one punch that you will have no choice, you will have no say. It, you know, flicks that switch and you will never be the same again. You know, it's it's dangerous. And you there's so many fighters now, you know, who, who you know, bad things have happened to in that sense. And I'm sure they wish they could have a choice. You know, Gerald McClellan, you know, fighters like along the lines of Michael Watson, but people who... They've got no choice. You know, after that one punch, it's yeah. just, you know, and, and people, like, don't really look into that situation. You know, and, and that, that is, the, it is the best saying. It, it's it's cheesy and it's cliche, but you, you, you do not play boxing. You don't. It's a reason why it's cheesy and it's a cliche, yeah. because it's true. Yeah. So, but my hope, my hope is... Uh, that this will happen for the betterment and the higher recognition of the high-performing athletes that fighters are. So here's to, I'm going to cheer with you just with my good old coffee, to may this be for the betterment of boxing and uh, bringing eyeballs and the recognition of, of um, again, the high-performing athletes that you guys are. And that this is a lifetime commitment. It's not like you go in for five seasons and get out. Yeah. Boxing is not something that you do uh, twice a day or three a day. It's a lifestyle. It is, yeah, and, and like it, and it's a tough lifestyle. As in, like, you know, a lot of fighters only know boxing. Yes. And, and and that's why a lot of fighters find it very very tough. You know, I've got I've got two brothers, 
Um, one who found it very tough retiring. Oh. And one, yeah, and now one, Stephen, who is now maybe go, he's going through the retirement stage. Uh, you know, I think he, he, he may be retired, but he hasn't officially announced it. And now, again, I don't know whether it's because he's finding it too tough to bring himself to announce it, but I know it's going to be tough for him. Now, they've done boxing since they were, you know, nine years of age, and it's all they know. And, and that's where it's, it, it's very tough. Uh, I have to say something about the Smith brothers. The unity, the family unit is so beautiful to watch. As tough as it was to see uh, Callum walk out of the ring and then he joined us that evening after the fight against Canelo, there's a, for lack of a better term, a sturdiness to that core within you guys. Uh, very commendable, admirable, and to a certain extent, enviable. Uh, you guys walking together, you leave together, and I am happy because I know Callum needed that. I know Paul needed that at that point in time when he was doing that transition, but he still feels very much involved because you guys are still there. And it yeah. was interesting to see how you all felt the pain, felt the anxiety the excitement before the fight during the fight and the companionship after the fight how how, how do you feed that you, you can't you can't act that either you, it does not act involved in it i think a long time ago maybe people thought we done it for cameras or we done it for act like to be four brothers that were close but there is no act involved in it we're very very close um you know we're, we're we've been a number of of years where we're in yeah i was just trying to show you the the text the four of them are in the texts yes like we're, we're, we're just we're very close we always have been we do lots of things outside the boxing together we see each other preferably every single day i will see them now the lockdown situation i haven't seen them but I'm, I'm still, you know, playing on a computer game upstairs with the four of them, with the headsets in, talking to them. And we're, we're close. It's helped us in the long sense. And that's why you said before with Callum, how is he finding his first loss? Tough, but it will soften it a little bit that he's been around me with my first loss, Paul with Paul's first loss. And he knows kind of, you, you just have to pick yourself back up and, He's got a good family around him with his missus and his little daughter, and he's got a good family and his and his brothers and his mum and dad. And uh, we go through beforehands the whole build up. We're very nervous, obviously, for him, or vice versa. They're very nervous for me because of how close we are. But you'll see, you know, I think people have seen over the years how close we are. We're, we're, we're very close, and you know, we. It's not. It's not for. It's not for no show, it's not for no cameras, you know. Strip all the cameras away, strip the boxing away, and we'll still be four very close brothers. And, you know, that, that, that'll be like that for, for many years to come. There's also something that I'd like to point out. Uh, there's a quiet strength that comes through your father, yeah. Paul Smith Sr. He's very quiet, very yeah. much involved, but very quiet. But you can sense he commands respect with his presence. How how influential was he in your upbringing in boxing? Because I understand he's not a fighter. He's actually a bodybuilder. 
Yes. Yeah, so, you know, he, he has played a big part, a, a huge part since, you know, since babies, he's played a huge part. As much as he had three amateur fights, so people always say, was he another fighter? No, he wasn't. He, he had three amateur bouts and then never boxed again. Then obviously went into weightlifting and was a bodybuilder. So, but he, he is the one who brought Paul round the boxing gym, brought Stephen round and then, you know, we all followed suit and he's been, he's a massive boxing fan, has been for years. And the hours, the money he spent, the, you know, the the, the long travels he's brought us, the, he's, he's travelled around the world with us and he's played a big part and, and we owe him a lot for, for, for what we've done in boxing. But also, the quiet one behind the scene is, is the mum. She's the backbone, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah so she is a... Um, You've got to understand the situation from from the age of maybe 11 to 16, 17, 18. She had four boys who were going to an amateur boxing club and training twice a day. So she had four boys bringing two towels home a day each after showers, two lots of training kits, screw uniforms, clothes we wore throughout the day. Um, you know, she had she had a lot to do and she is probably, she's the tough nut of the family more than me dad, I'd say. Yes, and she did a fantastic job with the four boys and your sister is absolutely dropped gorgeous. And I could relate in so many different levels because I come from a very big family as well. And the, when people don't appreciate what you just said, just laundry, cooking, yeah. just keeping the house kept, is is a mission 24 yeah. 7 no days no breaks no vacation no six days nothing that's beyond a full-time job so definitely chapeau 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 to yeah. mrs smith and she's done a fantastic job i want to touch upon um the wonderful job the family has done to bring awareness to autism as uh an auntie to my nephew who is autistic um, it, it's really difficult for people to understand how um, life could be just very normal and in a split second not be normal. And yeah. we have you, you just you function around it and with it. And uh, I am the proudest auntie ever. So yeah. to see you guys bringing awareness and to create more um, conscientiousness about our people that are. They're, they're viable people, they work, they live a long life, and they're functional in many, many ways, and they bring so much, in my case, so much unconditional love. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, you know, the autism thing was a big, a big shock, but also a big learning experience for us. As young, young, young men, we was, you know, when Holly was diagnosed, but she was, you know, 17 years ago now, um, my mum, brought us home and said, look, lads, I need to sit and have a conversation. Your sister has got autism. And we were like, what's that, mum? Because she seemed so normal and so fine at the time. And we were like, what's that? I thought you were going to say like a flu bug. And she said, no, it's a disability, Liam. It's, you know, it's, aut it's a form of disability. And we were like, really? So she's disabled? She's like, well, yes. It's a, and 
you know, the more and more we, we, we got told, the more and more we read, the more and more we, 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 we learned and sat down and listened over, the more and more we realised what it was. And, you know, it, it, it's a very big, you know, it's a big deal. And it's also a very big spectrum. Now, our sister Holly is severely autistic. She's non-verbal, cannot talk. Um, she is, and like what you're saying, you know, she's a bundle of fun, just loving, loving to be around. But then also, as the flip side to it, has a bad days when she's, you know, just literally smashing tellies off the wall or like, we'll just take her whole clothes off, you know, and again, that's just touching back on the woman my mum is, you know, for it to raise four boys, then bring Chloe into the world and then have Holly, who's autistic. And, you know, that that just touched on my mum's mental toughness and, you know, maybe kind of explains to you that the, the woman, what my mum is, is what I'm on about. and um, But it also changed my dad as a person once Holly was diagnosed with it because she became she became a full-time job for me mum and dad. Mm-hmm. Once she got older, she kind of got a little bit too big for me mum. You know, she's on a lot of medication, so she's, she's a big girl. And my mum's only short, so... You know, if she ever has again a bad day, what we're on about, and if she wants something, if she wants something, she's very hard to stop. And there's so many little things over the years. What some little things that you don't even understand. You know, my dad would have to have Holly's food ready for when she comes home from school because, again, she's got no patience. So, if chicken's in the oven, she's trying to put her hand in the oven, and my dad's trying to wait, wait. So it would always be have to be done. So my dad would, my dad basically changed his whole, whole routine, whole life around Holly and it changed him as a man. You know, he was up, up, goes to the gym, comes home, gets Holly ready for school. Then he's home ready for, to get off the bus for the school meals, for the, for the dinner, sorry, in the house. And, that you know, that, having an autistic child like that could, could have broke many people. And, you know, could have broke my mum and dad as a couple, but, it, you know, it didn't. And I think it's shown the backbone of the two of them to to raise us and, st- you know, still still go strong with each other. It's a reflection of your mental strength. And about that, we need to talk real quick before I let you go, because I know I've already taken so much of your time. When we're talking about mental strength and then you see fighters that are cutting corners left and right, uh, and, and let's not even talk about the whole YouTubers, but boxing in general is about mental strength. It's about being able to fall and keep going. Your brother, you, Paul, Stephen, they just keep going. How do you feel when you see these young millennials walking into the gym and deciding, you know, uh, well, I just got hit one too many times and I'm just going to walk out? That just shows, like, the, the, the mental toughness of the boxers. Now, that's where... Again, I don't want to go off top of what we're talking about, but that's where social media breaks my heart. Like you have people sitting behind a keyboard, slagging people, calling, you know, myself included, getting people calling me names and calling me, you know, I'm, I'm shit, shit and I'm, I'm no good. And I'm thinking, how can you sit and say that after, after you know, the miles, the, the, the hours we've put in, the blood, sweat and tears, you know, you don't see... You don't see me sitting cutting weight the day before. You don't see me after the fight lying, getting stitches in my eye. You know, you don't you, you don't see this this side to it. And I think when you when you strip it back, 
when you when you realise the the three sparring sessions a week, the running, the hill running, the injuries you've got to go through in a camp, then to get in the ring, fight in front of twenty thousand people in the stadium, hundreds of thousands of eyes on the television, uh, you know, being being maybe knocked out live on television, having to get up, dust yourself off, go shopping the next day. You know, it, 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 it's tough mentally and you've got to realise we are a, a different breed. And it, it, again, I don't want to sound cheesy in saying that, but fighters who had been there, done it and are still going through it, they come from a different cloth and, and you have to take your hat off to them when you sit and you think about it because a lot of people only just see the 36 minutes under the lights and just think, oh, I'd love to do that. You know, I'd love to put fancy shorts on, get myself in boss shape with a six pack and get in the ring. But they don't realise the 12 weeks before this, when you're having to cut weight, when you're having to miss your daughter's birthday, you know, you're having to miss family parties, you're having to miss holidays. The sacrifices fighters have made over the years, some people wouldn't believe. And, you know, you have to just sit and think, you know, you take your hat off to them and for, for people to sit and slag people on social media is it, it, crazy for me. And it's just, a, it's just the brutal side of the business. You, you reminded me as to why I love what I do. I love what I do because I get to work with people like you, like, yeah. I, like you said, cut from a completely different cloth. There's a sense of pride in what you do. And I try to remind people um, in a very humble, very minuscule way. Uh, these are human beings that have families that are somebody's brother, sister, son. Um, and they're putting everything on the line just for your entertainment. And for That's exactly what it is, yeah. And, and it's, we, we, we are, again, it's look, we're lucky we're lucky in a sense we're good enough to do what we what we do but also it doesn't come easy it's certainly not easy now you know you go and you build a house you lay bricks you go and you paint walls you haven't got hundreds of thousands of people sitting watching you for mm. entertainment we have and there's a bit you know a lot of my big fears in boxing over the years like nerves was to do with I have gone I've got no fear of losing. If I lose and I've cut no corners, what you said before, if I lose and I've cut no corners and, you know, if I lose to a better man, then I, I'm a man. I will take and I'll dust myself off and I'll come back. But I have, I always had a big fear growing up through the boxing sense of being knocked out cold on a, on a highlight reel knockout that was a laughing stock that was always sent around WhatsApp groups that was replayed every day on YouTube. And that was a big fear of mine. I, would, I just always hoped I would never be on the end of one of them. And it's stupid that I think like that because if I did, so what? Like, you know, it, it can happen. I know that can happen at any given moment in a fight, but that just reverts back to the brutal side of the entertainment business. People find that funny, you know, and people will forward that onto WhatsApp groups and, you know, that's the risk we have and, and, and that's where people have got to just think, you know, you just need to be applauded for that, really. Modern day gladiators. 
Yes, yes. Again, uh, uh, the, it is true, but it sounds it sounds like you're being kind of big-headed saying it, and it sounds, especially if I, well, if I say it, it sounds like, you know, you're being big-headed and you're not being humble about it, but, you know, it is true when you strip it back and when you think what we go through in in a whole fight camp, or even even a whole year, Again, the, the the birthday parties we miss, the family situations we we have to miss, the the food you know what we have to do, yeah. the, the the weight cuts, um, and again you know a lot of people don't see a lot of fighters get out the ring and have to go to hospital. You know, a fan going to a boxing show doesn't go to the hospital with you. He goes out on and has a drink in a pub after the fight. So you know, people don't don't look into it that far, and the people who do look into it that far will then applaud you and will then realise, well, you do do, you do do a lot and you've got it tough. My very extensive experience watching, let alone very little fights, uh, I've seen many people that don't have a chance to even go to the point where you can take that stitch up. Yeah. So every time somebody walks into the ring, in my best English, Chapeau, chapeau, chapeau. Anybody. Be it they're 0 and 3 or 40 and 0. Yeah. Chapeau. Yeah. Chapeau, chapeau, chapeau. So to end things, just because I not because I don't want to keep talking to you, because this yeah. is amazing. I'm I'm so I'm, I'm privileged and honored. What do you expect for 2021? If it's not Jesse coming up, what else would you like to do? You know, I have, at the moment, I've got a couple of options, which has come as a surprise to me. I've been offered offered a fight, um, what I'm, I'm in the middle of discussion now, but I'm also going to speak to my management team and just see if Eddie, what Eddie's going to do regarding the Jesse fight, if he's going to push it next, because if he doesn't push it next, then I will have to take this other option. Mm-hmm. But I'll, if you ask, it, give, me a name, give me a name. Give me a name. Nobody else will know. I think I'll give you the name by text in a couple of days. <laughs> okay, cool. But it, it, it's going to be exciting. Well, where where would you like it to be in the UK or in America? Well, I, I I like you know obviously I'm I'm a UK fighter. I love the UK. I love fighting at home. But I always Eddie even knows this. I love fighting in the States. I, I would prefer to fight in the States. And that's nothing to do with UK. You know, I, I love the UK and I love the UK fans. But there's just something about the States that, that I love. And I'd love to fight fight there all the time if it could be. And my personal preference would be the Jesse Vargas fight. You know, that was the, that's the fight that just gets me excited. And, you know, that's the fight that I'd love next. But we'll have to just have a talk with Eddie and hopefully... You know, hopefully he can push this. Jesse tweeted me the other day saying, you know, I'm a brave guy. I want this fight with him. So, you know, we'll see. We'll soon see if he's brave enough to step up to the plate. Well, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. And thank you so much for your time. Please extend my dearest and warmest hugs to all the boys, to your mom, to your dad, to your sister. And may 2021 be blessed with a lot of success. And thank you. Thank you for this time. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you. See you soon. See you soon. Bye, Bye, Bye. Bye.